Hello everybody and welcome to another Punter's Post. I'm Andrew Brown. I got my fingers crossed, baby. Well then I'm hoping for the best. Got my fingers crossed, baby. Well then I'm hoping for the best. Yes, I'm gambling on my future, my livelihood and all the rest. Yes, welcome back everybody, and goodness me, the Cheltenham Festival is nearly three weeks behind us now. Festivals are a bit like London buses, aren't they? I've spent 11 months waiting for one, and suddenly three come along at the same time. Before I get my act together and put this Cheltenham Review podcast out, Aintree is underway. Indeed, it's two-thirds over, and we've got a very fair idea of how some of the form from Cheltenham has worked out. The likes of Alberta's run, Frankie in the form, but disappointments from the Paul Nicholas triumph hurdlers, and or his four-year-old hurdlers, rather, and numerous others. So, there's the entry form to be picked apart, but I haven't actually had enough of a chance to look at that, to review it today. This podcast is so late because work has been taking over life since the Cheltenham Festival finished. I've barely stopped. And what I'm doing today is a bit of an experiment. You'll get my thoughts on the festival that you may dimly remember, but also the thoughts of some more organised contributors who put their thoughts in earlier in the process. So my apologies to them for holding them back. But what you'll hear are three different attempts to assess the festival. One from me, but before that you'll get the far wiser words of Jonathan Pollinger and of Roy Waterhouse. So, without further ado, I'll turn over to the aforementioned Jonathan Pollinger. He writes for JP Festival, he tweets, he's Cheltenham resident, he's a very knowledgeable man, he's had a very good festival, he's one one to keep an eye on, so do dig out his blog... Do follow him on Twitter, and do enjoy his pearls of wisdom here. Hello, it's JP of JP Festival taking a look back at Cheltenham Festival 2010, and what a week it was. For many, the key feature of this festival was the eclipse of well-backed horses one race after another. For me though, the main theme was a changing of the guard in the three main championship races. In the champion hurdle on Tuesday, we saw the six-year-old binocular fulfil his potential with a spectacular performance, taking the crown from his year-older stablemate Punjabi. Next up on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day, Masterminded was denied a hat-trick by the Irish-trained Big Zeb. Although two years older than Masterminded, surely the dual winner's reign over the other top two-mile chasers is now over. I saw Masterminded tipped up on Monday in the racing post for the 2011 Queen Mother, but I couldn't have him at any price for that race. Then in the Gold Cup on Friday, Cato Starr and Denman, two ten-year-olds, were swept away by the year-younger and progressive Imperial Commander. The results meant that champion trainer Paul Nichols lost his grip on all three championship races, so it was a festival where it really was all change at the top. For me, the highlight of the week was the Gold Cup for two reasons. 
Firstly, I'd been keen on Imperial Commander since his victory in the Ryanair chase in Festival 2009. So it was great to see him go head-to-head -head with Denman and come out on top. Secondly, the atmosphere before, during and after the Gold Cup was simply amazing. Every mention of Cato and Denman by the commentator got a massive cheer, as did every fence jumped on the last circuit. The loudest cheer of the day was probably from me, as Imperial Commander roared up the hill and he gets my vote as Horse of the Week. A fantastic performance from a tough horse who Carl Llewellyn the week before had described to me as slow. What he meant though was that the horse was all about stamina and not speed and how right he was. He really lapped up the three and a quarter miles of the Gold Cup trip. The festival was a family affair with Ruby Walsh becoming the winning most festival jockey ever as well as top jockey for the meeting. His sister Katie rode two and won two. I watched an amazing finish to the National Hunt Chase with a posh mate who had backed both Katie Walsh and Nina Carberry. He was simply shouting out, Come on the girls! Come on the girls! Great stuff. Ride of the week for me was Katie Walsh's win in the county hurdle on a thousand stars, as here she was up against the professionals. She rode a great race bringing the Willie Mun Mullins horse from way back to take the spoils. The best aspect of the week for me was the depth and range of emotions of the occasion. All of life's pleasure and pain was on show. From the smile on AP's face in the winner's enclosure after the champion hurdle, through to the groans from the stand as Cato Starr came down in the Gold Cup, one could feel a real connection with it all. The great thing about racing, particularly jump racing, is that as a fan and a punter, you really are part of the sport. The worst aspect were the inadequate facilities. We have put up with crowded bars, toilet queues and standing up all day for too long. Yes, I am getting a bit older, so perhaps these things matter a bit more. And did I mention the old TVs and poor quality sound system? Perhaps I'm getting a bit grumpy too. But this is a world-class sporting event and the facilities in the main club and Tadstall's areas haven't been improved in years. More investment in looking after the paying customer is needed. A Gold Cup club ticket is more expensive than the equivalent Derby and Royal Ascot tickets. Paying punters deserve more. To finish this podcast, here are a couple of horses to take out of the festival. The Willie Mullins trained Enterprise Park was my banker of the meeting so it was disappointing to see him pulled up before the fourth flight in the Albert Bartlett on Friday. He'd hit the third hurdle and injured a leg muscle. He'll be put away for the season now, but could develop into a top-staying hurdler. Unbeaten and progressive before Cheltenham, I feel that he'll improve further when he's racing on better going. 33-1 is a very fair price for the 2011 World Hurdle. Weapons Amnesty impressed with his jumping and the straightforward way he went about his business in the RSA chase on Wednesday. The focus after the race was on the eclipse of Long Run and Punchestowns, so the winner has slipped under the radar a bit. Let's not forget that the race was being billed as the hottest RSA chase in years. Weapons Amnesty is an old-fashioned solid chaser who jumps well. He'll now be campaigned for the Gold Cup. Ten to one for that race about a young progressive stayer in a division dominated by older horses could well prove to be value. This is JP of JP Festival signing off. Good luck out there.
thank you very much to Jonathan for agreeing to put that little review together for us and if you found it as interesting and informative as I did once again I strongly suggest jpfestival.com as the site to visit to get all of his thoughts sign up for his newsletter sign up for his tweets and enjoy his his pearls of wisdom as we prepare ourselves for the Cheltenham Festival 2011 now only 11 and a half months into the future and whilst you're cruising the internet looking at lesser known but rather brilliantly put together websites I strongly suggest once again that you go to rwsteeplechasing.com which I've mentioned before it's the brainchild and the work of the labour of love really of one of the, the the most dedicated students of form I know in Roy Waterhouse and he has put together his own little preview for us which is coming up after this brief pause So there goes another Cheltenham Festival. The punters took a pasting and the Gold Cup made the front page of the sun on Saturday. Only one of the four bankers of the meeting went in and the ground changed on Friday. Banker number one blew out in the very first race the supreme novice's hurdle. There was the odd less than fluent jump by Dungweeb, which his fans would have been worried about, but they didn't prevent him from finishing any closer than third to the free-going menorah with the Toadsball Trophy winner Get Me Out of Here splitting the pair. I should have taken it as a bad sign when Sizing Europe, the horse who let a lot of people down in the 2008 champion hurdle, won the Arkle, with not much in hand from Osana, who finds as little as the winner does under pressure, with three fancied runners failing to perform. Soft ground is important for Captain CB, the favourite, but there was no obvious reason for the below-par performances of Sportsline and Riverside Theatre. After the champion hurdle, one was left thinking that there is simply no point in having any of the trial races. The horses that came to the fore in the best prep races in the build-up, the likes of Go Native and Solwit, blew out. Only the runner-up Kyber Kim, the Boyle Sports International winner, upholding the form of his trial, and those that had fluffed their lines, the likes of the winner Binocular and Zainal, famous for his defeat at 14-1 to on in the more battle hurdle at Kelso, coming through. The three-runner contenders hurdle at Sandown, which Binocular won, actually ended up a surprisingly strong race, with the runner-up D.E. Williams running second in the county hurdle on the Friday, but it might be worth completely disregarding everything that happens in the build-up to the 2011 champion. Wednesday was supposed to see Masterminded make it three Queen Mother champion chases, but with the benefit of hindsight, it was Mahogany Blaze who he beat in a renewal of the game-spirited Newbury that proved a red herring, a bit like a champion hurdle trial. A horse that had been beaten further by Twist Magic and Petit Robin separately previously, and it wasn't a surprise that he was a well-beaten fourth to Big Zeb. So where now for Masterminded? But the best Irish hope for the Queen Mother beforehand was Big Zeb, and he beat for Paddy de Plastra, that one finding little as usual, and Kalahari King, who didn't look to be applying himself fully. The opener on the second day, the Neptune Novices Hurdle, formerly the Sun Alliance Hurdle, was probably won by a decent prospect, Peddler's Cross, who'd done his winning over two miles, but conclusively proved himself over the longer trip here. 
He'll do well back in trip next season. He wouldn't be the first to win this race, then go on to achieve better things back over the minimum trip, would he? The first of three horses to become dual festival winning horses at the meeting in 2010 took the RSA chase. Weapons Amnesty's jumping must improve, but with the possibility that we are entering a post-Corto-Denman era that will be interpreted as ordinary by comparison, this one could be in the frame in the 2011 Gold Cup. Nicky Henderson talked up two of his three runners as the best staying chasers he's ever trained, but with Punchestown's not performing and long runs jumping not up to scratch, his argument doesn't stack up. Plenty of punters wouldn't agree, but it made a nice change to see a British-trained horse win the bumper, and it's to be hoped that the Colin Tizard Yard's Q-Card can crack it as a novice hurdler next season. Having beaten Al Ferroff, winner of the Grade 2 bumper at Newbury's so-called Super Saturday meeting in February, the form looks strong. And so to Thursday, and Pocalin looked a solid favourite in the first of the day's Grade 1s, the Ryanair chase over two miles five furlongs, but the bookmakers drew again as Alberta's run, who, on his going days, is a good chaser on good ground, was in the mood to compete, and took the win. Not for the first time, other fancied ones didn't perform. The Paddy Power Gold Cup winner Tranquil Sea, better on softer ground, and Barber's Shop checking out readily, looking one best avoided in future. This festival badly needed a star performance, with Masterminded letting the side down and Dungui below most people's expectations. So thank heavens for big bucks. Arguably now the best hurdler in training over any trip in Britain and Ireland, he wasn't troubled to take his second world hurdle, and provided he stays clear of injury and illness, it's hard to see anything beating him in 2011. And that time for Rupert, an improved staying hurdler in his own right this season, was the one to chase him home, that gives the form a very solid look. What is it about the top staying hurdlers? Barracuda, Ingalls Driver, Big Bucks. All of them noted for hitting a flat spot. Isn't it great that racing vocabulary now has a phrase for horses who race lazily? And those three, the best three-mile hurdlers of the last decade. Some punters were probably out for the count as Friday came round, while others with deeper wallets might have recalled the line from the beautiful South song, Good as gold, stupid as mud. Got enough money for one more beer, I'll carry on regardless. One more drink and a few more lumpy bets. I have a feeling that we're about to enter a distinctly ordinary era of national hunt racing, and a worrying prelude to that has been the worst season that I can remember for juvenile hurdlers. We'd had a 100-1 shot win the Grade 2 hurdle for four-year-olds at Cheltenham's Festival Trials card in January, and the result of the Triumph hurdle merely provided further confirmation, as Barazan, who'd won his first three hurdle races in June, July and August, went mighty close to winning the thing, gifted a clear lead, and only sold Atino able to close up and pass him, although he came under strong pressure to do so. At least the race was won by one of the better four-year-olds. When you watched the Albert Bartlett, the Grade 1 novices hurdle over three miles, it became apparent that the ground had changed dramatically from the good going that the meeting started on. Several were already well beaten by the home turn, and this was a funny result and no mistake, with Bertie's dream, who'd also done his winning in the summer, two of his victories coming at Sligo, which is to the likes of Punchestown what Cartmel is to Cheltenham, coping best with the softened ground. 
However, what makes this form really suspect is Kennel Hill's finishing third. Kennel Hill is better known for refusing to have anything to do with it. Having got out of winning and got out of starting on separate occasions previously, and I'll be shocked if any runner from this race goes on to achieve anything next season. The hype machine has maybe overdone the Culto star Denman rivalry thing, as many of the crowd were bedecked in scarves in the colours of the two horses. Next year it is likely that the colours of the Our Friends in the North Syndicate, the owners of Imperial Commander, will be appearing on clothing also. Here's the new name on the Cheltenham Gold Cup Roll of Honour. It only took one bad mistake to knock Corto Star out of rhythm, another word frequently used in racing circles nowadays. And it took Corto Star's fall to put horse racing back on the front page of the national press. The Sun's headlines said it all. Twenty-five million pounds on the nose. No excuses for Denman, though, this time. Finishing runner-up, and Nigel Tristan Davis's stable star is a thoroughly worthy Gold Cup winner. The trainer went on to become the first since the late David Nicholson in 1995 to send out three winners on a single day at the festival, when Baby Run, ridden by his son Sam, took the Fox Hunters and Pigeon Island, after sticky jumping and coming from last after four fences, took the Grand Annual Handicap Chase, the last race of the meeting. By the time the Grand Annual was run, further rain during the last day had forced a going change to soft all round. It's not hard to imagine that, if Friday's going had been present on any or all of the previous three days, you'd have had a whole load of different results. Dungui would probably have won the Supreme Novices, and Zaynar the Champion Hurdle to pick out two. So which horses from Cheltenham can we take out of the meeting with Aintree in mind? Well, in the immediate aftermath, it's difficult to know. One thing that always happens is that a number of horses always go on to Aintree having run at Cheltenham and win. It's just a question of which ones. Imperial Commander, however, is unlikely to be one of them if he goes to the Merseyside venue, as he's emphatically best when fresh, and, having put his heart and soul into the Gold Cup, may well not be the same horse if running in the Tote Sport Bowl over three miles one furlong of the Mildmay course on the opening day of the Grand National Meeting. But perhaps the ones to pay particular attention to at Aintree are two who didn't run at Cheltenham. The better of Leopardstown's two Grade 1 three-mile chases this season was easily the Lexus chase run at Christmas, which was won by What a Friend from Money Tricks. Money Tricks didn't give his running in the Hennessy back at Leopardstown in February, but What a Friend, the Newbury Hennessy runner-up to Denman, has been specifically aimed at the Tote Sport Bowl. And as Nicky Richards, Money Tricks' trainer, likes to go to Aintree, if the grey is fit and well, then it's not hard to imagine him taking his chance in that race also. With the weather at the time of recording this piece very wet in various locations in the British Isles, if the ground at Aintree turns heavy, then Money Tricks could give what a friend something to think about in the bowl. As for next season, well, let's try and pick out a big race winner and a Cheltenham Festival winner for next season. For a big race winner, I'm going to suggest Hey Big Spender, winner of the Novices Handicap Chase at Cheltenham's Festival Trials card in January off a rating of 138, and allowed to take his chance in the Dewson Novices Handicap Chase on the Thursday off his new mark of 146. He was doing all right when unseating the Rider 5 out, going well enough for Sun to suggest that he might have won the race eventually taken by Philip Hobbs's Copper Bleu. Hey Big Spender is yet to win over three miles, 
but a half-brother, Lord Archie, has done so, and with that 146 mark likely to be the one he runs off the next time he goes into a handicap chase, Hey Big Spender could have a nice weight in one of the big early season handicaps, the Paddy Power at Cheltenham's Open Meeting and or the Hennessy at Newbury over three and a quarter miles. With this one and cue card to look forward to, West Country trainer Colin Tizard could be in for one hell of a season in 2010-2011. For a Cheltenham Festival winner in 2011, Dungreeb in the champion hurdle. Sure, his jumping has been suspect for all of this season, but it didn't prevent him from getting a better finish in the Supreme Novices, as with the prevailing going on the Tuesday, the race simply didn't suit hold-up horses. All the same, his hurdling can improve, and granted that, he could be up for taking Binocular's title. So hopefully Dungui will be back, along with the rest of us punters who are licking our wounds. Roy Waterhouse there. As ever, a tough act to follow. A man knows his stuff, bad week or not. But I will do my best to follow that with my own modest thoughts. And it seems only right that I follow the very approximated outline that I I suggested to these two guys to give some sense of of structure to our our answers. So when I think of the 2010 festival, what will I think of? To me, this was a betting festival, and not, if we're brutally honest, a very good one. This is the festival I will associate most closely with just waiting for a winner. It's very easy to say that the festival isn't about betting, and often for me, it isn't. But I can't help but wonder if that's because I've generally had a winning first day and a winning festival, which means you can enjoy all of the other things because the bank balance is nice and solid. This year it was a festival that was just about taking cover from the bookies. And even though I'm not a favourite backer, there were some winners there that I couldn't have found if you'd given me 50 goes. And I will remember this as the festival that made me look at betting as a challenge that needs to be met in order to enjoy everything else that Cheltenham has to offer. It's the festival that will make me look at alternative views, alternative edges, ways to get to get some insight into the festival that isn't in the the current uh, mainstream, for want of a better word. What will that be? Well, it will certainly be course form in 2011. More so than ever, I'm convinced that you need course form and festival form to be successful. And I will be waiting that more than the market, I suspect. And something else I will be looking at is, as I say, alternative ways to read races. I'm at the moment deep in in studying various things. I, books I'd recommend that are on my shelf at the moment being read and reread are Ben Aiken's Narrowing the Field book, which is about using the dosage method in national hunt racing. Steve Christ has written a book about picking exotics and that's effectively how you can play multi-horse or multi-race bets successfully and that's a real eye-opener 
and thirdly the great Steve Morden's book Jack had been Jack has convinced Nick Morden's book I should say Jack has convinced me that it's worth it's worth digging it out and I've been reading his views on on systems and I wonder if between these books and with a great deal more form study I'll be back in 2011 for some winners but 2010 will be remembered primarily as the festival where the bookies hammered the punters but moving on to happier things horses to take from the festival well there were many winners who I looked to see do well and having waited to do this until after the Melling Chase it would be easy to say Alberta's run but I won't do that and to me Peddler's Cross is the one to keep an eye on you can take any of the winners and expect them to do well Peddler's Cross is young inexperienced didn't necessarily have conditions to suit you might have thought but he looked top class in disposing of what was a very good field in the Neptune as they ran scared from Dunguib to me he looks top class. He looks versatile. Few of the horses he beat had excuses for being readily disposed of. The McCain Yard is going places, and I'm glad they've got a really top-end horse to be their, their flag-bearer upon the retirement of White Oak. And good for, good for Donald McCain, good for racing, and good for Peddler's Cross. I, I'm confident that we'll see him going well next year whether that's in staying hurdles or as I suspect is more likely going over obstacles and he's over the larger obstacles he'll be one to watch if he goes novice tracing now for a horse who was beaten who I take from the festival as I don't think that sirens for me I've got time to tell you it's too easy isn't it to pick a horse from the bumper Um, they're all good horses they're all worth following most of them win but I'm going to do it anyway because Dare Me from the Hobbs Yard impressed me coming into the bumper had good form and finished ultimately a very well beaten sixth but that's because he was done for tow he's a dour stayer on pedigree he's been bought by Trevor Hemmings which is always a sign of a a stayer, one who's probably a chaser in time, but he looks to me like he could be a very decent novice hurdler next year the only negative that I can see is that he's seven which is a little old to be going novice hurdling, the trends boys won't like it, but he is my idea of of an early contender for the likes of the Albert Bartlett, as well as races on softer ground over the winter next year and as I say I'd expect him to be going at least two and a half miles every start from here on in but we shall see now the ride of the week is something I found very difficult to me there were two contenders for this Um, one of them I'll come back to I found a way around my problem but actually I'm going all the way back to the first race and Menorah won the Supreme but it was Dickie Johnson who who got him there. And it's too easy to give these nominal awards to you know the horse who makes up the most ground after the last fence or the horse who has to be worked hardest from the beginning. And 
this wasn't a Wichita Lineman McCoy production, but it was it was what Dickie Johnson does so so well, and the quiet professionalism that he he has and he relies on really shone through on a big occasion. He's a star of racing. In a McCoyless era, he would be peerless with 2,000 wins. He's a very special jockey, and this race was fantastic. He, Menorah was always in the right place, always had a good sight of his hurdles, always took them in stride. And Johnson knew where to kick, and had his horse flying between the second last and the last hurdle, and got a few vital lengths that none of the others could get back. He's been beaten next time out, which isn't a total surprise to me, but he's it's a good horse, but it was the jockey who got him there, and a really, really terrific ride from, from Richard Johnson. Now, that was a difficult decision. Horse of the Week wasn't. It was very, very simple for me. Big Bucks is the best horse in training. I said that coming in. I can't get over his performance. I thought it was just masterful. Great ride from Ruby Walsh, really. Kept him up to his task by not letting him go clear of a time for Rupert any any earlier than he needed to. But a special horse. What are they going to do with him? Well, it'd be crazy not to have a crack at the World Hurdle again. Um, He won at Aintree over three miles and won nicely enough, but three miles at Aintree isn't really far enough for him. The true run, difficult to get three miles of the World Hurdle is just about a sufficient stamina test. But if there were four-mile hurdle races... Big Buck to be winning them even more comfortably than he wins over three miles. So for me, I would be looking to send him out for a mixed campaign over fences and over hurdles next year. He's There is this belief that he had a, a failed season as a, a chaser in which he could easily have won his Hennessy off a big weight. He's a good jumper. He's perhaps not quite good enough for the really difficult, challenging courses, and, you know, Newbury with its water jump and some of its quirky fences and the likes of Cheltenham and Sandown. Maybe it's best to avoid chasing there, but there's some biggish prizes that can be gone after over less challenging fences that would have him running over a distance that would suit him. For instance, the Midlands National at Utoxeter or the Scottish Grand National... Now, they clash with the Cheltenham Festival and the Aintree Festival, but I might be tempted next year to run him in the World Hurdle and then turn him out in the Scottish National. It would be a an extraordinary double, but it would bring a lot of pleasure to a lot of people. And the extra trip, the bigger obstacles at air, which to my mind are something between a proper fence and a hurdle, it seems to me there'd be a lot that would suit him, and to see him lumping top weight in a handicap we might get somewhere close to finding the bottom of this horse, who will only ever do as much as he needs to, but is very, very special. Now, I asked my contributors for their idea of the worst aspect of the festival, and none of you need me to tell you 
what I think it is. It's the stewarding, once again. I'm going to keep saying it, but I'll keep it to a minimum this time. They need to shut up and let these riders ride. The whip bands need to be kept to a minimum. They need to stop mucking about with different fences and different locations. There's only whip bands because they're giving them out. Just stop. It's not that difficult. That being said, I should praise the starter this year. After the fiascos we've had in in previous years, every race went off within a minute or two of the post time, and every race went off first time without a hitch, without any horses being dramatically inconvenienced. So, some of the organisation improved, but the stewarding still needs to improve. And one more wish, Cheltenham, if you're listening... Seven races on a card, if you please. I know there's frustration about expanding to a four-day festival, and I can understand that. But we've got a four-day festival, and some of the races that have come in have been great, and it's hard to imagine a festival without them. I could do without the Fred Winter, but apart from that, I'd keep every race. So let's have a couple more so that we can have full seven-day cards for those of us who take four days off work really get our money's worth from that good things well it was a great festival it really was um, and for me the best moment of the festival is also the second contender for the ride of the week I said I'd come back to this and it was Katie Walsh's ride on Polka de Civilla. it was just a fantastic fantastic ride she ran the horse very well put it you know, under pressure stuck to it, gave him the kind of ride that sexist would say women can't give their horses, really went to work on him, got past Nina Carberry's mount, stayed up the hill. A terrific ride, but the reason I have it down as a moment of the festival is is the reaction. Not the Ted Walsh histrionics in destroying the Channel 4 commentary box, although that was wonderful, but the reaction of Katie herself as just being totally overwhelmed and totally overjoyed it really reminds you what a special place Cheltenham is for the riders and what a what a valued occasion this is I've spent all week with non-racing fans telling me that entry is is what's best about horse racing and they're wrong, it's Cheltenham and you could see in Casey Walsh just the joy at achieving a lifetime's ambition at getting a winner at the greatest sporting event on the calendar it was a wonderful wonderful moment and she earned it with a terrific ride it made me very happy even though I was on the second place horse and lastly I must look ahead to the 2011 festival hard to believe we're thinking about 2011 already but I'm going to give you a long shot prediction and it's a prediction for the Arkle it's Rock Noir who hasn't yet jumped a fence in public ran his debut in Britain in the county hurdle for McCoy and John Joe O'Neill in which he didn't do fantastically in the county, but he was very impressive in the paddock. He's a beautiful horse. He's clearly a chasing type. 
He's a big, leggy French horse, but a bit stronger than some of theirs. More, more master-minded than Cato Star, although that's purely a physical description. He's not clearly. He's not yet in the same class as either of those horses. He is a long shot, but to me, he was big at his hurdles. He looked. He looked like he wanted to jump something bigger. He's young. He's clearly very talented on his French form. He's been to the festival now. He's got good connections. And I just think he could be one to go well and is one to keep an eye on all of next year. Maybe, just maybe, he'll be an Arkell winner. It's April now. We've got 11 months to dream of next year's festival. And so for now... I'll leave you to look ahead to tomorrow's Grand National, in which I've got a tiny fancy for Palypso de Creek for Charlie Longston, but it's not a race I'll be getting involved with. Hopefully we'll be back with more podcasts in the not-too-distant future. There's a flat season to look ahead to, as well as Aintree and Punchestown still to come over the jumps. So hopefully there'll be more from me. There's no plans set in stone yet. But thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Cheltenham coverage. My thanks particularly to JP and to Roy for their help with this podcast. And to all of you for listening. So stay lucky and we'll speak to you soon. Goodbye.